Hey there, we want to welcome you to the Living On Purpose podcast. You're listening to episode number 17. But before we get into our episode, hey, if you are enjoying this podcast, if you're getting something out of it, would you just take a minute and go and leave us a five-star review? Not for us, but just to get the word out. We wanna be able to help people and give them biblical answers about their lives, about their questions. So go ahead and do that, and then we'll dive into our episode. Amen. Okay, here we go with our next question, John. Are we as Christians breaking a commandment if we have a statue, a likeness, an action figure, apparently those exist, (laughs) or, or a picture of Jesus based on the Ten Commandments? Man, what a great question. Yeah, I love it. It's very, very interesting. So the Bible tells us, and this is where the question comes from, it comes from the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, in particular verse number four, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So it's really important to understand context is everything. And so in order to answer this question, we really need to read the next couple of verses to understand exactly what's going on. So verse five, it says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so there's a context here that's really important. God is speaking to Israel, of course. So this is under the old covenant. And he's speaking in particular uh, from the law. And he's speaking in particular about those things that would draw people to him or draw people away from him. And so the law was concerned with a statue that would be made for the purpose of worship, not any ordinary statue. So you might say, well, I have a statue in my house or this or that or whatever. Uh, That's okay, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A statue of God would be a strange thing, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But the form of anything or likeness of anything, here it refers to, and this is really important to understand, it refers to a mental pattern. So something that you've imagined of which you've constructed, in essence, your own version of God. And so the Bible talks about God as spirit, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I just preached John chapter Mm 4, and God is spirit. And so uh, you cannot construct God into an image, into a likeness, and that was the idea. The commandment um, is, is, is not necessarily against creativity, but it really is is creating something that would resemble God. Um, and because then you begin to think, well, I created this, and therefore my idea of God is limited or it's finite. And the reality is, is God is infinite. God is not limited. And so he's beyond our human comprehension. We have to understand this. It's really important. God is not limited to space. He's not limited to time. He's not limited to, as I mentioned, human um, finiteness is a way to say it. It's not something that we can create. Remember in John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, I just preach on this, and he says, God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's greater than anything we could ever imagine. And so the, the problem with this is the danger of comparison. If I can create God, an image of God, uh, then all of a sudden it's easy for that to kind of slip it's a slippery slope. It can slip into what the other cultures were doing. And, and let's understand this for a minute, because that's really important in that time period. So for the Old Testament Jew, 
the fact is he was surrounded by what's called polytheism or the worship of many gods by the other nations. And they were always in the forms of physical objects. And so remember, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, the people, they had grown impatient. Remember the story? Yeah. They had grown impatient and they began to desire an object, quote unquote, as a symbol of worship. And so they forced Moses' brother, Aaron, who was the high priest, to take all of their different objects of gold and melt them into a golden calf. Remember that? Yeah. So I want to read those verses uh, just quickly for you. Exodus 32 and verse 1, the Bible says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took them took them off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, now listen to this, they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And so what are they doing? They're attributing their worship, they're attributing the power that should be to Yahweh, to a false god, to something that they had created. Now listen to this. Verse 5, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So Aaron was mixing his worship. He Mm -hmm. did what the people wanted. He showed poor leadership. And now he's trying to swing it back toward the Lord. Well, we're going to worship God. Well, God doesn't want mixed worship. Right. He doesn't want us worshiping him and other false gods. And so this wasn't going to fly. So the next day, the people rose early. They sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward, they sat down to eat and drink, and they got up and they indulged in revelry, which means it became one big, basically drunken party. I could read on, I'm not going to, but God was very displeased with this. This was not acceptable. And so the, the fact is, uh, they forced Aaron into this, and, and God was very upset. God demands from his people, and he does so now, by the way, that he, and this is so important, that he is distinct from anyone and everything else. We use the, the term, well, the Bible uses the term, but we, we uh, use it as well, the word holy, being holy. Uh, God is holy. What does that mean? God is distinct from anyone and anything else. Worship of God is never to be mixed. And this is what was taking place. Now, there's also a slippery slope uh, that this can lead to as well. And it goes along with what I've already kind of shared. But I want to give to you just a really powerful example of what the Bible says. Any thoughts on this while I'm turning to Romans 1? Um, no, when you came up with the word holy, you didn't come up with it, but you mentioned it. Um, I've heard it said that holy means set apart. Yes. And that's what God is. He is set apart. He is so far above us that there's no way that we could ever live up to him. And that's why he sent Jesus to be holiness for us. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a. am glad you brought that up. That's another uh, part to that word, right? God is distinct. He is separated. He is indeed set apart. And so in First Peter, I believe, where uh, Peter says, uh, through the inspiration of God, God speaking to us, be holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. What's God saying, right? For us to be set apart, just as he's set apart. Right. So thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. That's good stuff. All right. So Romans chapter 1, in verse number 18, the wrath of God is being revealed 
from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, now that's important, God's invisible qualities. So we see God, but we don't see God. We can't see an image of God, but we see God's hand, his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. It's a powerful illustration of what's called general revelation, that God has created what he's created, and that uh, makes us without excuse as we see the power of God, the creativity of God, the uh, the strength of God in his creation. Now listen to this, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Now listen to this. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over and their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Listen to this, the slippery slope of sin in someone's life. They got to the place of where instead of worshiping God, they created their own objects of worship. And in essence, it led to a slippery slope. Okay, so we have to think about it like this. It is inappropriate to worship something that God has created. Mm. And so we are to be devoted to God, not to his creation for worship. We do not worship his creation. We worship him as the author of his creation. And so under the old covenant, God revealed his power and his awe in ways to show himself greater than the false gods that the Israelites were always tempted to follow. The greatest example of this, well, there's a lot. But the one that really stands out to me is 1 Kings 18, when Elijah um, calls down fire from heaven, and it's that confrontation between the prophets of Baal and Yahweh. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome, right? I love that. It's a great, great story. Well, what's God doing? God's showing his superiority to those false gods, those false gods that were made with man's hands. And so that's the context of Exodus chapter 20, when God tells his people, not to bow down or worship any other God, not to create a graven image uh, or any form of anything. It's in the context of that time period when all these other pagan nations were worshiping objects and God was saying, I am not like that. Matter of fact, I am the creator of the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. I'm the creator of all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so, so then the question is, is it inappropriate or sinful to have a picture of Jesus. So this is what I'm going to say about that. No, I don't think so. Now, (laughs) I think it's ridiculous to have a California dream boy with flowing golden locks of hair, Jesus. (laughs) Okay? Right. Because, uh, you know, Jesus uh, was a Jew, uh, Middle East, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jesus. Not white. Not white, not Mm -hmm. golden blonde hair. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of times the pictures that we have on our walls of Jesus praying, um, okay, that's not what he looked like at all. And we're not totally for sure what he did look like, but is it wrong? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's wrong to have a picture of Jesus. I don't think that's the context of Exodus 20. 
because Jesus, and remember this uh, as we get serious about this, right? Remember this, the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1 and verse 14. So God chose to reveal himself uh, by coming down to earth. God the Son uh, takes on human flesh and reveals himself in the person of Jesus, right? Jesus is God and the Son, God the Son. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. So God chose to physically reveal himself to mankind through the person of God the Son, the Christ Jesus. Okay? Yeah. So isn't it appropriate to have a picture of Jesus? No. I honestly think it's kind of weird, but uh, I don't think it's wrong necessarily. Now, here's a really cool thing I want to show you, okay? This is really powerful, and this is an illustration of God's authority and God's preeminence. And we remember back in the Exodus when God brought Israel out of Egypt. Remember the story? Mm -hmm. And so what did God do through Moses? God brought plagues upon the Egyptians, right? To show signs and wonders. Yeah, to show signs and wonders, Mm -hmm. to show his power. In uh, a lot of those plagues, unless you really get into the grammatical historical context and you begin to understand uh, the culture of the Egyptians, you miss some really cool things. And you miss that God is always revealing something. He's showing uh, to the Egyptians and to his people that he is greater than even the Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I preached on some of this before, not all of it, because it's pretty extensive, but Remember when God uh, caused the Egyptians to have all these incredible amounts of frogs? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, crazy, right? It was annoying. river and... Everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Well, listen to this. Uh, Egyptians favored frogs in the wearing of what's called amulets in the shape of a frog and in the prohibition against intentionally killing frogs. So they actually looked at a frog. It's kind of weird to say this, but they actually looked at a frog as an important animal in their culture. Uh, the croaking of frogs from the river and the pools signaled to the farmers that the gods who controlled the Nile's flooding and receding waters had once again made the land fertile. <laughs> they had a god called Hapai, I think I'm pronouncing it right, that caused um, fertile deposits to come downstream. And so they believed that that was a time when that god was blessing them and their crops and all that. <laughs> they had another god named Hectic. Uh, the symbol of resurrection and fertility in this God was in the form of a frog. In this frog or this God was supposedly blessing them. So instead of some frogs uh, signaling the fields are ready for harvesting and cultivating, what did God do? God sent millions of frogs to <laughs> annoy them to death, to show them his superior superiority over their gods. And so mm. I find it to be really kind of funny, mm-hmm. actually. But throughout the story in Exodus of uh, Israel coming out of Egypt, God always shows a superiority over their gods, the Egyptian gods. And many of their gods were in the forms of animals. Yeah. And so again, that goes back to Exodus 20, you shall not create an image. And so what does it all mean for us when it comes to this command in Exodus? And what are my recommendations and how to honor God in this command? I'll give you three thoughts. I've already kind of spoken about this a little bit, but three thoughts. First of all, our context is different. Idols in 21st century uh, don't look like they did in the ancient Middle East. It's likely that you don't have a physical object problem, but you have an invisible priority problem. Ooh, That's a good one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I like that. Probably you're not worshiping an object, but are you worshiping your bank account? Mm. Are you worshiping travel sports? Are you worshiping 
Um, and there's a million things that we yeah. can talk about, yeah. right? Are you worshiping popularity? Are you wor- worshiping prestige? Um, all those different things. So number one, the context is different, but understand, I, idolatry um, takes many shapes and forms, and we need to be aware of that. Number mm-hmm. two, have a picture of Jesus if you want. It might be a little corny, but it's not sinful. I don't have one. I don't care if you have one. Do I think it's sinful? No, I don't. Mm. Number three, consider the heart of the command. Again, it's not about artistic expression. That wasn't really the concern. It was false or man-centered worship. That was the problem. So make sure that you give God your heart. He is much greater than anything you can imagine, and he is much greater than any object. And remember, he is the creator of all those different objects. And so be careful that you're not focused on a legalistic version of something. Give God your heart. Sounds great. Thank you for sharing, John. And we want to thank you again for listening to episode number 17. If you have a question you would like answered, you can email john at weareemmanuel.life and we might feature your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.